The Detroit Tigers dropped two of three over the weekend to the Chicago White Sox in a series that was kind of close in the beginning, and then game three was uh, was not. However, there are some roster moves to talk about still. Uh, we got IL moves, people staying on the IL, people coming back from the IL, people optioned. And we're going to talk about the Arizona Fall League for like a brief second as well. So we've got a jam-packed episode today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, September 19th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. That is, of course, including YouTube. Okay, so the Tigers drop two of three to Chicago this weekend, like we said in the cold open there. We're going to talk about it pretty, pretty generalize the series as a whole, pretty much. Uh, very close first couple of games. Both went into extra innings at that, and not a very competitive Sunday game but the thing that's frustrating about Sunday's game was that it could have been competitive like it very easily could have been competitive but it's almost like it's not almost like I'm I'm more inclined to say it is like even when this team scores runs it feels like it's on accident like they accidentally score runs or the other team has to really struggle in some area to do it 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 doesn't ever feel like We are just on top of it, and we're just hitting the baseball. The offense, uh, like on Sunday, they scored five runs. That's That's not a terrible performance, but every time there was a clutch situation where there was runners on base or we had bases loaded, no outs at one point, and like runs were getting walked in. Every time there's a key situation where you're like, okay, we can get back into this ball game, it's three straight outs. It's two straight outs. It's a double play. It's a strikeout with two outs. They never execute. There's zero clutch gene, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They never execute with runners in scoring position in clutch moments. It always just feels like the runs that they do score are almost empty is kind of the word I want to use. And again, they they won on Friday. They won in extra innings. Victor Reyes, (laughs) Victor Reyes being Victor Reyes. Uh, And on Saturday, they played a close game and took them into extras as well. But just pure i mean the the final score of friday's game was 2 to 3 and saturday's was 4 to 3 the offense all season has just been i mean terrible we all know that that's not a surprise to anyone but it's the way that it has performed is is very unique in that sense that's what i'm trying to say is it's just even when they do score the runs don't matter or or they feel like empty runs or it's on a day that we give up a ton of runs and and it's too little too late. Like that happens all the time or, you know, they'll score early and they'll score two runs and you'll get out to a lead and then they won't score the rest of the game. And the other team will slowly just creep up and, and, and be ahead by two or three runs by the seventh or eighth inning. Like there, there's no consistency and there's no honestly like fight. And, and I'm not saying that, they're, they're not trying. I, I think all these dudes are trying and have pride and, and, and all that. I think they're, they're genuinely trying as hard as they can, which 
I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse, I guess, but it's just so demoralizing. And I imagine it's so demoralizing for them too, that very few of the runs that they do score, which is not very many, even really matter. And that's really just the point I'm trying to drive home. So many runs just don't even matter. And the ones that do don't come in and then they get stranded on second and third base over and over and over again. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, to be honest with you. So offensively in this series, uh, Spencer Torkelson is, is always the talk of the town just because of the rookie season that he has had. I didn't think this weekend he was as effective as I was telling everybody he was last week. I, th- I thought going into the weekend, he had really impressed me so far since getting recalled. Like he, he, he really had an, an impressed me quite a lot. And I thought that he was, I thought that there was a noticeable difference in his swing, in his swing. He was taking better at bats. He was driving the ball. He was being a little bit more aggressive. And, and this weekend, I thought we kind of went back into the backing yourself into a corner at bats where you, you get so passive that then you're kind of left in a situation where you have to swing at whatever the next pitch is thrown at you and still had some hard hit balls for sure. And, and, and still honestly, some, some deep fly balls, but went kind of back to the, we're going to hit, we're going to spike the ball into the pull side or hit the ball in the air to the pulls to the pulse push side. Jeez. <laughs> push pull. We're either going to hit the ball in the air to right field or hit the ball into the ground to the left side of the infield. We got back into that swing a little bit. So again, it's one series. Uh, I'm really, he's probably the person I'm most interested in these last two weeks of the season, just because of the implications that it may have going forward for him personally and for this roster, as well as just the circus that has been really this season as a whole for the entire organization, but specifically Torkelson as well has certainly been one of the ringleaders in, in that. So wow. Ringleaders in the circus that wasn't even on purpose. And that was like lined up as a really good analogy there. That's a pat on the back moment. So I wasn't overly impressed with him. I don't think he's as never to me looks like he's been completely overpowered at the plate. So it wasn't like he was taking horrible at bats, but just a, a little bit of a, of a step back weekend. I thought, Riley Green's on base streak does end, and then we're, we're at a point now where, uh, again, it's all about the power stroke. And, and I, I don't want to just come on here and just repeat myself over and over again, but like that's blatantly what his left to, to make the trip north from Toledo. Like he, he got called up to the majors, and then all the power just went away. And we've seen glimpses of it. You know, we see him t- take. Otani to the brick wall like we've seen glimpses of it we know that it's there but there is no power on a consistent basis even stuff that's hung or like really hittable pitches he'll deposit into the outfield but it's line drives over the second baseman and shortstops heads that fall into the whatever left right fielder and our our singles or you know his walk numbers have gotten better and that's obviously great but the, the the power is is very much the slugging percentage is is not even close, just blatantly the last thing that, well, there, there's a lot of steps he still needs to take. But the next thing, I guess, that we really need to see here at the major league level, besides that, I, like Jonathan Scope homered, cool. I, I'm not sure that kind of a too little, too late scenario there. I'm not really sure that's going to 
change too many people's opinions on him going into the offseason. Akil Badu had a nice game this weekend. Uh, I mean, great. Again, I'm not really sure anything he can do can save him for whatever was his his fate was going to be going into the offseason. Ryan Kreidler, I guess for a, just a little bit, he looked he has looked phenomenal defensively. I've been unbelievably impressed with everything Kreidler has done in the field. They've thrown him at shortstop. He's looked good. They've thrown him at third. He looks good. They've thrown him at second. He's looked great. He has looked like a plus defender everywhere they have put him. The at-bats just... I guess the best way to put it is is there's just no confidence in the at-bats from a viewer or it appears from him. He just goes up there. And again, it's it's not like... I've said this a couple of times when describing his at-bats. It's not like he's getting overpowered. And there are some gritty at-bats where you know he's making a pitcher throw four or five pitches, which is nice. It's not just good morning, good afternoon, good night. But there's very little damage being done. And, and he, he appears to be having a hard time getting acclimated to hitting the ball just solid. Like, I'm not even asking for like 110 exit velos. I'm not asking for for crazy hard line drives, but just anything that's not a ground out to an infielder or a seeing eye single or a soft line drive that, you know, lands in shallow outfield. Like I, I just want some type of solid contact from him. And I, and that's very clearly what, what he's got left. I, the only other thing I, I we really need to discuss from the weekend is Javi Baez had a really solid weekend. He plays against the White Sox pretty well. To be honest with you, and, and we'll talk about this when we do off-season recap stuff for all these players, Javi Baez has been really solid like since the All-Star break. He's been pretty good offensively since the All-Star break. His slash line since then is pretty solid. And in the last like four weeks, he's been really solid. And it's frustrating because that doesn't really justify much I mean it's a good sign it means that next season if he doesn't start off you know the first two months of the season with an OPS in the 500s that maybe he, he can have a good full Javi season again but the weird thing about Javi is and again I, I don't want to spoil too much for the for the in-depth thing we do but the K rate is ish about the same and the walk rate is ish about the same, but there's no power, no power. And you can't blame the, Oh, Comerica that that's not, no, <laughs> no, it's that's not entirely it at all. That, that doesn't cause a, a dude who is, has had seasons where he's had slugging percentage in the five hundreds show up with a, with a three eighty eight slugging percentage with two weeks left in the season. That's, that's not how that works. So, that is the biggest thing for next season. And and even with all of that being said, even if he shows up and the offense is solid and whatnot, that doesn't justify leading the league in errors by a significant amount. And that doesn't justify the, the to be quite honest, some bonehead decisions that have been made by him. Uh, I mean, in the base pass this weekend, he had one. Uh, there's some defensively that he makes. There's a lot on the base pass that he makes. It doesn't justify the all-around product, even if you do just look at the slash line over the last four weeks. But it's at least something we can look at going forward since he's going to be on this team, presumably, for the foreseeable future and go, okay, maybe the offense is salvageable. Maybe it was just 
like the, everybody else on the team, like the worst first half in the history of modern baseball. And and maybe next year we can we can kind of salvage that a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's really all I got offensively for the weekend. I I we don't need to go game by game at this point for for weekend updates. We're at a point in the season now like this is a 90 loss team that needs to go 500. I think Jason Beck was the one that tweeted that we need to go 500 the rest of the way in order to we have 16 games left. We need to go eight and eight the rest of the way to be to avoid 100 losses. Can we do that? That's it's a pretty tall ask. It's a tall order for this team. I believe we have the either tied for third or outright the fourth worst record in Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about a little bit at the end too. What kind of implications that holds with the new lottery system and all that. So we'll get to all that. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Second segment of Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Let's get to the pitching side of things, because I think that this was pitch. The pitching was solid, especially, well, the first two games. The pitching was very solid. And there's quite a few storylines that I think came out of this weekend. First off, Matt Manning. Matt Manning on Friday. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. It cannot be expressed. Tr- like, I don't think I can do it justice with how much of a failure the White Sox season has been. This has been a huge letdown year for that organization. And look, it's been a massive letdown for the Detroit Tigers. I'm not trying to compare or say anything along those lines but objectively this has been a huge letdown of a season for that organization and they they have a lot of their own stuff going on and their offense has really struggled too at times this season so Matt Manning going out and doing because his last few starts haven't been very good we saw when he first came off the IL really solid then there was a stretch there where his last three or four starts haven't been very good and now One of the better starts of his young career, to be honest with you, on Friday. Uh, Yeah, seven shutout innings, five Ks, like I said. CSW percentage was 25%. He only had nine whiffs on the game. But he went back to, and this is something we talked about with his last, his start before Friday as well, where he kind of went back to the drawing board as far as pitch mix and just went back to the tried and true Try and true might be a stretch, but the really simplistic type of pitch mix that he had when he first got called up, right? You remember Matt Manning last season, 2021 Matt Manning, where it was like 60 or even 70% four-seam fastball, and then the occasional slider was thrown in, and that was really it. 
that's pretty much what this outing was. And it worked because the White Sox, again, have had a lot of struggles offensively as well. Average exit velocity was under 90 miles an hour uh, for the entire outing, and yet he threw 64% four-seam fastballs. So really effective. And the biggest thing with this was the reason that I think he kind of just went, okay, this is what the game plan is tonight, is because the fastball command was exquisite. It was phenomenal. It was easily the, the best trait, I guess. It was the biggest standout in his performance was – his forcing fastball command was was incredible, really painting all over. And it didn't matter if it was glove side or arm side. It didn't matter if it was righty lefty. It was a really, really effective outing when it came to command. And, and he didn't ever leave anything too hard like, that caught too much of the plate. There were a couple of balls that got hit pretty hard. But besides that, it, it was a it was a really effective outing when it came to the fastball and its command. Now the velocity ranged from ninety to ninety seven, so I think the next stage in Matt Manning's development for me personally would be please, for the love of everything, get some consistency on your four seam fastball because we've seen it touch ninety eight, ninety nine, but we've also seen it top out at eighty nine. I would just like some consistency. I would like to know what type of fastball we're getting. I don't want to watch the entire game on the edge of my seat going like, oh my goodness, like what? what's the next fastball velocity going to be? Is it going to be 96 and I'm going to be amped up for the rest of the inning or is it going to be 91 and everything in between? I, I think that that's the next step in his development is just getting some consistency with that pitch. He threw the slider 30% of the time, so the slider and the four seam together made up 94% of his pitches. He only threw five pitches total that didn't fall under the category of a slider or a four seam. So very much, like I said, just back to a really simplistic approach of I'm going to dot you with fastballs as best I can and then throw sliders when need be as well. More traditional sliders in this one than we – at times we've seen him kind of tried as a cutter we talked about that on the show when he was doing it. So kind of a, a solid performance, very solid performance, wildly effective. And I was very impressed, very, very impressed with him as everyone should have been bullpen wise. This series, the only other thing I want to save Erod for last, we're going to do bullpen. Now, not a great outing fully kind of struggled this weekend. I didn't think his command was very good. And when he wasn't throwing the sinker, it was really not good. Uh, slider especially really ineffective this weekend Joe Jimenez not a great weekend either kind of lost his command on Friday Gregory Soto gets another loss he's I think a loss away from a double digit loss season as a closer which is not great and I, I mean there's really we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of Gregory Soto again we'll we have two weeks left of games and then offseason reviews or season review stuff in the offseason so we'll have plenty of time to discuss that whole thing the only person I want to highlight before we move on to Erod is Alex Lang this was a big boy weekend for Alex Lang I thought he looked really really good stranding runners on second multiple times twice in two games and he struck out the side on Friday and then stranded the runner on second and uh, also had a strikeout on Saturday. He looked incredible, and the command was good enough. I'm not going to say it was pinpoint, but the thing is his stuff is so nasty. It doesn't need to be pinpoint. 
He doesn't, he doesn't need to be Greg Maddox. I've said that before. He doesn't need to dot everything and, and get on the black all the time. He just needs the ball to be in the general vicinity of where he wants it to go. And it's going to be a crazy effective pitch because of how much his stuff dances. He's got some of the best stuff I've ever seen out of a Tigers reliever in my entire life. And one, some of the best stuff in baseball, his whiff percentages, especially on his curveball, some of the highest in the entire sport. He's unbelievable. So these were two really important outings. His ERA is back under four now. I think those were two really important back-to-back outings to gain some confidence, really big situations coming through clutch. And I hope that he can just be dominant the rest of the season and we can kind of go into the offseason with no questions about it. He's here. The, the the command is still a work in progress, but he's taking steps in the right direction. And, and there's not this kind of question mark looming over him of, oh, like entire first half good, entire second half bad. I just want him to end on a really high note. And I think that this weekend was really important for him. So Erod, we'll end on for the pitching side of things on Erod. And then we'll be done talking about the games for the weekend, honestly. And we'll kind of get to news and notes from around the organization. But Erod pitches on Saturday. He goes six and a third, two hits, two earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. I thought Erod was fantastic. I thought that as far as executing his pitches, this was some of the most effective he has been in a Tigers uniform so far, which is not as many games as it should be in September, but that's a that's a different conversation. We're not going to go back down that rabbit hole either. But I, I thought the pitch mix and how effectively he mixed everything in was so great. And and this is the I really liked the Erod signing. I still do. I still think that that he can be a really solid pitcher. He is so good at missing barrels. Like when he is on, he is elite at it. And this was not even, I, I thought this was really good. This is not even like the heights that he can reach with, with that ability. And the reason is he has a ton of pitches. None of them move a foot like Alex Lang, right? None of his pitches move so much that you're going to be swinging through it consistently. But 11 whiffs in six and a third is not bad for starters. That's a, that's a decent outing. But a 31% CSW percentage is really good. That's, you know, just under a third of his pitches, either a called strike or a swinging strike, 16 called strikes, nine on the sinker. That's what makes him so effective is it's all tunneled. Everything's tunneled. And it's sinker, it's changeup, it's cutter, and it's four-seam fastball. All of them move a little bit, but all in different directions. Like if you were to draw like a clock, right? Four seam down the middle sinker is at, well, it's going to be reversed for me. I'm not going to go down that whole thing, but all of them move in vastly different directions, right? And it, it, it causes him to, when he is on, he can be so effective and he can just be a ground ball, like a routine ground ball machine. And I thought that he really showed some glimpses of that kind of heights that he can reach. And again, this wasn't the greatest outing in the world. He Left a couple of sinkers up that caught way too much of the zone uh, and, and hung a change up as well. But as a whole, I, I what a weird year for him. Like, I, I'm really not going to get caught up and, and like, let's just end on a high note and, and you can go deal with whatever you got to deal with in the offseason. Start get on a throwing program, come back and have a full, good, healthy season. That's just let's just focus on that for Erod. But it starts with ending on a high note here. And I thought that. This was a, a really, really good start. And I continue to be 
excite, call me a homer, call me whatever you want. I am going to hold on to and very close to my chest, my excitement of what Erod could be next season. I, I and I'm not trying to say that he's an ace on a World Series team. He never was that. Look at the contract. That's not ace on a World Series team money. If if you thought that, that's kind of on you. My thing is, he can be a really really solid pitcher in this rotation, and uh, I, I still, I'm I'm still. <laughs> you got to give me something. You got to give me something. I like the Erod signing when it happened, and I'm going to continue liking it. Um, I think that's it for the pitching. I think that's it for the pitching, which means that's it for the weekend. So we're going to go into some news and notes from just around the organization that happened over the weekend. It was actually kind of a noteworthy weekend off the field as well. So we're going to highlight some of those. And uh, yeah, we'll do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. So where do we want to start here? Let's start with Miguel Cabrera goes to the IL. Goes to the IL. Wow, great start. Great start to this third and final segment. Miguel Cabrera comes off the IL, rather. He has been on the IL. So he's coming off, and they have optioned Cody Clemens down to the minors. This is fine uh, on my end. Um, it sounds like they're going to try to play him quite a bit down the home stretch. I don't know if that's uh, like... I don't know. I don't know if that's a, hey, let's try and get some fans into the ballpark for the last, you know, two weeks of the season. Because, I mean, look at the attendance this past weekend. Look at the attendance for the past three weeks. It's been brutal. Nobody's going to these baseball games. And how can you blame anyone with the product they're putting out there? So maybe it's just an attempt of that. And he just powers through it for the next couple of weeks. And then he's into the offseason and he can take whatever time he needs to recover. But he'll be back. Cody Clemens optioned. Uh, Clemens just never found his footing offensively at the major league level this year. And, you know, I, I we talked about it in the 40-man roster breakdown on Friday. I think he's a candidate to possibly get DFA this offseason. I think it, at the end of the day, it will come down to how many people they want to bring in from the outside, how many free agents they want to bring in how many prospects they want to add to the 40 man, et cetera. But it's, I mean, he's decent. He's in his mid twenties. He's not a young buck anymore. And really, really just never even showed really any flashes. Never really even went on like a two week stretch where you were like, Hey, you know, Oh, I'm kind of like what I'm seeing here. Just kind of really struggled the entire season at, at the major league level at the plate so and isn't super effective with the glove anywhere again at the major league level solid versatility which is great and useful but I think that not a guarantee I'm not saying that he's off the roster for sure but I think that's somebody that we'll have to kind of keep an eye on as the offseason rolls around uh, Bo Brisky will not pitch again for the remainder of the season this was not too much of a surprise for me but Still sucks to hear, just like coming out of AJ's mouth still. Like, that that still sucks, but they're just playing it safe. Uh, Bo really wants to get back out there by the signs, sounds of it, but they're just playing it safe, and, and he'll take the offseason to, to come back. And then we open the conversation this offseason. We'll certainly go down the rabbit hole of what the rotation could possibly look like next year. I think there is a 
legitimate argument for Bo to get of of whatever fifth in the rotation spot on opening day, especially with the injuries that we got. But at the same time, maybe you want him to be more of that depth piece, whether it's starting off in AAA starting and then when somebody gets hurt, he gets the first call up again, kind of like last year or Maybe even I don't really think he's long for the bullpen, but like that's a conversation again until maybe that Tyler Alexander role where you're the bullpen until you're not. Or again, just outright giving it to him. I think that's a that's a conversation to have for sure. And and we'll gonna have to look at the free agency market and and whatnot. But the one thing that cannot be stressed enough is pitching depth matters. Starting pitching depth matters. And if anybody knows it, that's the Detroit Tigers and its fan base this season with all the just insane amount of injuries that this starting rotation had this year. So you can never have too much. Even if you do want them in there in the rotation, you should probably still go out and bring in some outside help to, uh, to, to just for depth's sake. So we'll see what happens there, but he will not pitch the remainder of the season. And then I just want to really quickly before we head out here, talk about the Arizona Fall League and – the Detroit Tigers announced that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is this eight people? Yeah, eight. Quick counting. Eight Tigers prospects are going to be playing in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Jack Anderson, Tyler Madison, Andrew Magno, Joey Wentz, Dylan Dingler, Colt Keith, Gage Workman, Parker Meadows. It's a pretty solid eight there. Uh, Jack Anderson was Anderson rather was someone that turned heads this season and, and had showed some signs of life down there in Lakeland. Uh, Tyler Madison is someone that I really liked in the draft and uh, is actually a, a friend of the show, Tyler Madison, we've had on before last season, I believe. And so, yeah, like super cool. He's there. Uh, Joey Wentz, obviously we're all familiar with him. Really cool to see him getting some playing time down there. Dylan Dingler, we all know, has slipped in prospect rankings, so good to see him getting some more at-bats in the fall league. Gage Workman, somebody who a lot of people were pretty excited about in the draft and has looked really solid defensively at third and short, but offensively, he went on a hot streak a little bit in the second half of this year, but as a whole for this season, really inconsistent and, and kind of struggled at times offensively. Parker Meadows, one of the biggest stories in the entire organization. We talked about him on Friday's show as well. And uh, just the kind of, I don't want to say rebirth because he's still so young and it was just progression, but uh, easily one of the breakout seasons of this entire organization at any, any level. Him and Kerry Carpenter right out there neck and neck. And then Colt Keith, someone who a lot of people are really excited about. I think he's one of the best prospects in this entire organization. And he got bit by the injury bug a little bit this season, but was raking before that so cool to see him get some more at-bats there as well so that'll be something cool that we will certainly cover on the show as the Arizona Fall League takes place and uh, cool to see some some dudes that are continuing to trying to impress right again some of those dudes we talked about on Friday are trying to earn 40-man roster spots so I like it a lot and I think that's all I got Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. And, yeah, I really do think that's it. 
big Lions win, big U of M win. Uh, well, not big. Big in the sense of the score was big. UConn is not good. And tough weekend for the Sparty faithful out there. But uh, Big Ten play starting up here. So I think your goals are still intact. Yeah. Solid. We got Red Wings season right around the corner. Locked on Red Wings. We're doing fun stuff over there. Uh, that also means that basketball season is right around the corner. The Pistons really, really pumped for the Stones this year. And the Lions are winning football games. That first half was probably the most dominant first half of Lions football, maybe in my lifetime, like for real. I'm in my mid-20s. That might be the most dominant Lions half of football I've ever seen. Second half, not so much, but held on for a win. That's all that matters. Best offense in the NFL? You tell me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.